0: Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Mm. Political spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favre. Yeah.
1: Philly's favorite listeners is Pastor Jonathan Mason and I want to welcome you back into the pastor's office this afternoon. Uh, I want to start off by telling you a story. So for four years uh, from 2013 to 2017 uh, I served as the international president of what I would call and what I believe to be and what is the greatest fraternity in all the land uh, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated Uh, serving as international president means you travel all over the world we have 150,000 members we have a staff etc etc anyway uh, after Pouring myself into that uh, position for four years, I I made a decision that when I came out of office, I was going to pour myself into something else. Something that I was, to be quite honest with you, a little bit nervous about, scared about. Uh, I made a decision that I was going to pour myself into a master's degree. Uh, that I was going to focus my energies and efforts uh, uh, to to obtain a master's degree. I I received my bachelor's uh, from Norfolk State University in 1995 in uh, mass communications, news and public affairs. Uh, I I had, I guess, what some would call a a good career in media, so much so that I was able to leave uh, broadcast uh, media in 2015 and start my own media company. Uh, and now own uh, several radio stations across the country. So, But but there was something eating at me. There was something eating at me, and it's that I, I didn't have a master's degree. I wanted more, but I was nervous because guess what? Education in 95 was a whole lot different than education in 2017. In 1995, uh, I was writing on sticky pads and notebook Paper and and I went to the library, and I was well accustomed and affiliated with the Dewey Decimal System, and and now in 2017 we're talking about online learning and 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 programs like Blackboard and different things of that nature that can be absolutely intimidating to somebody over the age of 40. But I poured myself in. I I enrolled at Missio University, uh, Missio Seminary, rather. Uh, And over a period of uh, two and a half years, thank God, I obtained my master's degree to God be the glory. Uh, and and so I was looking through the sun a couple days ago and I, I saw this program and I saw this organization that's been around for over fifty years. Uh, uh, Jev's Human Services. And as part of Jev's Human Services, they have human services, they have a program called Jev's EduConnect. And guess what their job is? Guess what they do? They connect non-traditional or adult learners like myself to programs where they can realize their educational dreams. And, and, And I believe this. I believe education is the gateway to real success in life. So, I wanted to talk to them about uh, their program, uh, uh, share this information with you as we always do. So, I want to welcome into the pastor's office the director of the Jevs EduConnect team, the EduConnect program, uh, Miss Jessica Baer. Uh, Miss Jessica Bear, I'm sorry for the long introduction, but I had to kind of share my story real quick. Come on in the pastor's office. Welcome today.
2: Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here.
1: Well, listen, we're excited to have you. Uh, uh, Again, I was reading an article in the Philadelphia Sun about your program. Uh, Why don't you just start off by telling us just a little bit about JEVS Human Services and then how JEVS EduConnect plays into it.
2: Sure. So JEVS has been running career education programs to benefit the greater Philadelphia community for Over 50 years, as you said, and we're a nonprofit organization that helps people from all different walks of life to achieve their goals. And the program that you referred to, EduConnect, is a a small but mighty program that that aims to connect individuals to credentials they need to either begin a new career or advance in their current career um, if, if the individual would like a certificate or a training course or a college degree or a master's or doctoral degree.
1: Wow, that's that's exciting. So, so, so you're the director of the program. Tell us a little bit. Do you encounter folks like me all the time that that that, that have a little bit of hesitation, reservation, and fear uh, about coming back and trying to obtain their educational goals?
2: Absolutely. I mean the the goal of our coaching process, which is where we do some one-on-one um, coaching with students. And adult learners, I find, just need to get their foot in the door. They need to get some small wins. They need to uh, know that they can become a learner again and relearn how to be a student. A lot of a lot of our participants come into the program intimidated, scared, just like you said, and they just need a, a little bit of a pathway or a foot in the door in order to uh, achieve their goals, and our coaches are there to support them along the way and, and push them and hold them accountable you know I, it is really about relearning how to be a student again
1: yeah yeah and 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 guess what when you 're working a full time career when you have children, uh, when you have other obligations, you know one of the things that that caused me uh, concern was how do I fit my education into all of this life that I've created for myself, right? And, and one of the things I thought was really interesting about your program is you have what you call success coaches uh, that help in those areas. Why, and, and, and not only do they help in those areas, but they're there from the beginning uh, of their tenure to the very end. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure. Well, I think what makes our program so special and different than other post-secondary education opportunities is our success coach because you're not doing it alone we are with you every step of the way from uh, those intimidating applications and financial aid we kind of hold your hand if you need it from the moment that you decide that you might be interested in pursuing something figuring out what you'd like to do applying gaining admissions and then during our programming our coaches provide support throughout the entire journey um, we are the safety net, so to speak, helping everyone push through any obstacles that may get in their way along their their course pathway and providing some motivation. And then we're with them through graduation and also to help find a, a new job or seek advancement in their career if that's what they are seeking.
1: Now, now, do most of your students come to get? certificates, or or do you find that a a larger percentage uh, are attempting to get that post-secondary degree or secondary degree?
2: Uh, It is a little bit of both. Right now, we we offer uh, the two options, the longer-term associates or bachelors or masters through our our partner with University of Massachusetts Global. And then we also have a lot of uh, individuals taking advantage of our certificate courses in partnership with Clarion University, and we have found that some students do both. Um, If I can give an example, one of our students, uh, she's in her 40s. Her name is Patricia. She came to EDU Connect to earn her pharmacy technician certificate. Uh, She was formerly in retail. She realized she needed a career path where she could truly learn and grow and earn more money, and after completing our program, she became employed in a pharmacy, she's now coming back to EDU Connect for help to attain her bachelor's degree. Um, and so she went for that short-term certificate, and now she's on the pathway for a longer term uh, to get her bachelor's in psychology, and she wants to focus on the psychology of medicine and addiction. So we're really happy to have kind of return students who are happy with the coaching and realize that they just need uh, some motivation to help get them into either the shorter or the longer-term programs.
1: You know, the shorter-term programs are almost a gateway, as you shared, to the longer-term programs. I, I'll give you an example. I went to get my master's. I was fearful of that, as I've already shared with the audience. But after that, now I'm on the road to uh, get a doctoral degree. It became contagious. It's like, why not go for more we figured this thing out uh, and and, exactly. and that and that's one of the beautiful things when you look at uh, 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 people who have who, who thought they couldn't but realized they could uh, and I've got to believe uh, Jessica that this is just a very fulfilling uh, uh, endeavor for you I mean Jebs is a nonprofit organization so you, you you rely on the kindness of others to keep you moving forward but to see those type of success stories like Patricia I, I, I'm sure it makes it all worthwhile for you
2: Exactly. It does. And and I think uh, our coaches who are there whenever a student needs them, whether it's uh, nighttime or the weekends or early in the morning, um, it it truly, you know, you get out what you put in. And so those who are are putting in a lot of effort, including our coaches and the individuals that they serve, are really getting a lot out of this experience um, and having the confidence to move forward in their lives and in
1: their careers. You know, so the article that I read in The Sun uh, was about your new partnership with Massachusetts Global. And, and and as I continue to do more research on JEVS, you know, I, I, what I really want you to share with our listeners is the importance of partnerships to JEVS' overall mission. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure. I mean, we would not exist without our partners. Um, we currently have a great relationship with University of Massachusetts Global. We are um, kind of a pipeline into their programming, and and they support our students with their great coaching and flexibility. Uh, And one of the reasons why we seek partnerships like the University of Massachusetts Global is because they do focus on the busy working parent, single parent, somebody who you know, has a full-time job and needs to log in at 6 a.m. or needs to log in at 10 p.m. or midnight or on a Saturday or a Sunday. And so we really did seek out a partner that was aligned with our mission to truly serve everyone from all walks of life.
1: I was sharing earlier about uh, trying to adapt and adjust to online learning. Uh, uh, Do you have any interesting stories or or, or just uh, anecdotally some stories about how adult learners in 2021 have been able to adjust to learning through their computers? I know it's been around for a while, but if if you're coming back to school and you haven't been in school for a long time, uh, that adjustment from being in a physical classroom to a virtual classroom, it's quite a change.
2: Exactly. And I do believe that 2020 and the COVID pandemic truly made online learning relevant. Um, And so it's hard to survive in the world without those online and technology skills. And so something that we do is, in addition to making sure that all of our participants have a working laptop and Wi-Fi, we will share a screen with them and uh, I'm sure all of us have been on Zoom and have seen uh, a participant or a leader of a meeting share a screen. We will do that with our students and kind of walk them through the portal so that they become familiar with it. Um, we kind of we have test licenses to allow us to to play around in the portal to that we gain the confidence in order to coach our students. Um, so it is a, a new world of online learning, but I think this is. Uh, you know, this is the future. We are we have ar- arrived at this place where we need to be technologically savvy, and we will provide our students the tools to do that and kind of meet them where they are. So, depending if you're if you're twenty, thirty, forty, um, if you have a laptop or you don't have a laptop, we're truly available to support uh, people from all all walks. So, talk to us
1: a little bit about uh, financial aid. Uh, with your program, are you able to connect uh, students who are interested uh, with financial aid to help them get through their desire to have a a new learning experience?
2: Absolutely. That's part of our coaching experience. So a student who enrolls and is interested in applying for financial aid, we will go through the FAFSA application with them. Uh, We will kind of hold their hand because some of that paperwork can be intimidating Uh, And make sure that they're set up and on the road to success. And then also with our university partner, we're able to speak with them to make sure that the financial aid has been received and uh, the student is on the right track to receiving that money. And so we, we definitely, you know, offer financial aid to most of our students who participate and are eligible for it.
1: So last thing I wanted to ask you about is so now we've we've gone through the certificate program or we've or we've actually gone through to get that uh, that actual degree. Jebs has a great placement program uh, where they where you have uh, partners out there where, where your students can obtain actual jobs, actual career opportunities. I mean, that's the goal at the end of the day. Why don't you tell us about that finish line?
2: Sure, so to kind of paint a picture and give an example, um, we started a pharmacy technician training program in partnership with CVS. Uh, and we're located in the northeast Philadelphia at Orleans Technical College. Uh, and there is a very brand new workforce innovation and talent center in which our, all of our labs take place. Um, and it was implemented through our partnership with CVS. We have a mock pharmacy where students can uh, on their lab days, go and, and, you know, really pretend like they are in a CVS and run through some of the tasks that they may, might be asked to do as a pharmacy tech. And we are actually replicating that by offering medical billing and coding um, starting this January for And the reason why we're offering that is because there's a ton of need in this field and interest from our employer partners. And so being such a large organization at JEVS, we're able to leverage our connections to uh, internal opportunities and also external partnerships like CVS uh, or Walgreens or Einstein. And all of these medical and healthcare uh, placements allow us to, have a pipeline for our students who complete one of our certificate programs to um, be able to have their application looked at uh, with a closer eye with those employer partners.
1: Do you find that, as a result of the pandemic, that a lot of students uh, that are now uh, that are now coming into your program uh, may have been in one field, but? Uh, realize during this pandemic that they have something else that they want to do, that they want to chase a new dream. Uh, Is that something that you're seeing as a result of uh, these last 18 to 20 months?
2: Absolutely. I think a lot of people are are kind of looking introspectively and deciding what truly means a lot to them and what they want to do in their lives. For example, I mentioned Patricia, who was in retail, and she decided that she wanted to, really pursue a dream that she had been putting on hold uh, because she wasn't exactly sure how to do it. And so when she realized I can do this, I can be uh, an adult learner again. Um, she decided to take the leap and she enrolled in our pharmacy technician training course. And so it is a, a stepping stone for people who may be intimidated by uh, longer term educational opportunities and, um, they, they just need a little bit of a, a jump to get to that place where maybe they've always seen, seen and envisioned themselves, but they never were truly able to get there on their own. We will support them to get there and to get ahead.
1: You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. Uh, we're talking to Miss Jessica Baer, who is the director of JEV's EduConnect. Uh, and it's a, it's an organization that is focused on helping people find a pathway, uh, to, to their, to achieve their educational goals. Uh, Jessica, I really have enjoyed our conversation. To close out, why don't you, uh, share with our Philly's favorite listeners how they can get more information about your program?
2: Sure. Uh, so to learn more, please register for one of our free webinars. There's no obligation necessary. You can go to www.jevsedu.org um, or you can email educonnect at and, and we hope to see your listeners on a webinar soon and hope to connect them to the educational opportunities that are going to help them advance in their career and uh, achieve their goals. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure.
1: Absolutely. Listen, thank you for the time. Uh, This is valuable, valuable information, and Philly's favorite listeners, please, please go to our website, go to our Facebook page. Uh, You'll be able to acquire the links there. Uh, uh, But Jessica, thank you for the work you're doing. You're helping people to really achieve their dreams. We only get one life to live, and we've got to make the most of it. So we appreciate you, ma'am, and anytime you need our platform, we're right here for you.
2: Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate you, and I appreciate your, your story and bringing that to the listeners.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Philly's favorite listeners, don't you dare leave your radio dial or leave the app. We'll be right back after these commercial messages.
0: Hey,
3: Philly's favorite listeners. Welcome back to the Pastor's Office. Uh, we are, well, you know what? Let me, let me say it this way. Um, I was watching some, some YouTube video of Fannie Lou Hamer earlier this week. And and for those of you who don't know who Fannie Lou Hamer is, I, I really want to encourage you uh, to research her. She's a trailblazer. She's, she's a legend. She's an icon. We really do. She's one of the people whose shoulders we stand upon. But, but I was watching her one time speak, and, and she made the statement. She said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like, I'm, I'm just tired of being tired. And at some point, I need a solution. Well, when I think about what's going on in Philadelphia, I was telling somebody today I've been coming to the community of Frankfurt since I was two years old. My daddy pastored the church I pastored. He pastored it for 41 years before I did. I've now been pastoring for six years. Uh, I've been coming here for, for 46 years. I built Philly's Favor on the second floor of our church. I built it there because I wanted to bring attention to this neighborhood, because there are good people that live in this neighborhood. There are good families here. There's a lot of love in this neighborhood. But unfortunately, so many times our neighborhood here in Frankfurt is defined as, as, as a neighborhood where a lot of violence takes place. And and what I'm finding, and what we can see across the city of Philadelphia, that there's a lot of violence in the city of Philadelphia, specifically gun violence. City Council has allocated almost $100 million this year to give to grassroots organizations to help deal with this issue head-on of gun violence. And let me tell you who some of the victims are of gun violence are young people, are children, are getting caught in the crossfire. Over 400 homicides by gun this year. I pray for our children, but one thing that James tells us in in, in Scripture is faith without works is dead. And so I love to talk to people who are actually taking their faith and put it to work. And so today I want to welcome into the pastor's office a gentleman who represents an organization called Men Who Care, they're taking their faith and putting it to work in schools throughout Northwest Philadelphia. So let me welcome into the pastor's office right now to tell us more about this program, Mr. Clayton Justice. Clayton, welcome into the pastor's office, sir.
4: Thank you so much, Pastor, and it's uh, truly a blessing to be with you today, and uh, uh, I'm kind of honored, in fact, because you're absolutely right. Uh, You know, um, faith without deeds is void, and uh, on behalf of myself and the members of Men Who Care, uh, we pledge to make a difference in our community and combat gun violence. Because as you said, um, you know, I think that one of the issues is that we don't treat it like a crisis. We treat it like it's an illness or, you know, even like this pandemic that one day that's going to go away. But we understand emphatically that we, the people that live in these communities, are going to have to roll up our sleeves, pull up our bootstraps and get dirty because that's how serious it is. And that's exactly what we're doing. Um, because we have to take to the streets and we have to get to get in each other's lives again. We have to get back to that old-fashioned African-American village mentality and start loving on one another, get out of silos, be proactive, and more importantly, be a part of the young people. There is a major disconnect uh, of generations of younger people and older people and it's unfortunate that this gap has happened um we can't be deterred by that but what we can do is the design measures which we have to really begin to start to break chains at every level and i believe that every kid and they are kids that are committing these atrocities in our community at one point was in a school And our quest, and our belief, is that you have to meet kids where they are, and where you're gonna find kids is in schools. And so we have what we're calling a triage approach of prevention, intervention, and outreach, all in schools. So prevention starts at the elementary school level. We have to start to begin to have these conversations with our very youngest children, to put them on a fast track to success by inspiring them to dream and hope. At the middle school level, there has to be intervention because the streets call our kids very early, as early as 10, 12, 13 years old. And at that point, these are the kids that are most at risk. So you have to create intervention strategies to figure out what these kids are interested in and begin to provide them resources in real time. Now in our outreach, Uh, focus is really focusing on kids at the high school level those who are kind of floating and even those who have dropped out of school who may be the most risk at getting involved in gun violence activity and again try to figure out what they want to do with their lives and match them up with resources in real time because it's critical that they begin to be able to see it touch it smell it and actually do it even in an internship level and our last phase is peer-to-peer mentoring is finding kids who either are all the way in or somewhat in and use them to have conversations with themselves to be able to open up and have conversations about how to make positive choices in their life. We've been in schools now for about six years doing a program called Real Talk with Men Who Care, which is essentially we create a safe zone for kids to be able to express themselves and freely talk about their hopes, their dreams, their conflict, their family life, anything at all. We put it all on the table. And what we do from those conversations, we create advocacy opportunities for these kids to live out their dreams. And we believe that we can begin to break some of the cycles of what feeds into gun violence and the narratives. We can begin to retard the violence that we're seeing in the streets.
3: You know, I tell people all the time, Clayton, that uh, if we don't pay attention to our children uh, and and give them the very care they need, uh, there are streets out there waiting to give them something. Uh, It may not be care, it may not be love, but they're certainly waiting to give them attention. Uh, and so I, I want to commend Men Who Care for the work that they're doing. But let, let, let's step back. We're going to come back to a lot of what you're doing. But tell me specifically, how did Men Who Care form? Uh, give, us, give us a little bit of the background of the organization.
4: So our founder, George Waters, and all of the members of Men Who Care are from the Germantown community. Uh, we all grew up in the Germantown community. It's a grassroots organization. We have relationships that go back to 40 years. Our families know each other very well, and we're well known in the community. Uh, George Waters is our founder, and uh, just so happened that he did something unfortunate in his life, and he had to be incarcerated for about four years. So while he was away, you know, he reflected on his life and some of the negative things that he was doing in the community and decided that he wanted to change his life around. And so he decided that when he came home from the prison system, he was going to give back to the community. And so he began to call some of his old buddies, uh, Joe Budd, who was our president, A.Y. Reed, who was our, our treasurer, uh, June Reed, who was A.Y. brother, who was our secretary, and basically said, listen, you know, I want to give back to the community. So the genesis of Men Who Care was rooted in that. And initially, they just wanted to give back in a, meaningful, visible way. So they began to organize street cleanings, uh, banding up, aborting uh, houses, and, you know, looking out for seniors. And that was the genesis of it. I joined the organization in around uh, 2011. Um, I had already been doing community service in Camden, New Jersey, and community service has always been a passion of mine. And then we began to have conversations about how we could you know, broaden our scope to reach young people, because that was our focus in reaching young people. And we decided that the best way to have an impact on young people was to get involved in schools. And so we began to have the conversations with the school district. We currently have a strategic partnership with the school district with our mentorship program. And um, we've been in schools ever since. And, uh, you know, we've been having a major impact that way by reaching kids where they are in the classroom and, uh, you know, providing resources in real time to assist them, again, and become a successful citizens
3: and stewards of the community. You know, some of these children don't uh, grow up or aren't growing up, rather, uh, with positive male role models in their home uh, or in their circle. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't rare for me. First of all, I had a strong male in my house. Uh, I had strong males in my in my family, uh, and then because my father was a prominent minister in the city of Philadelphia, I was always in the presence of strong men. So so, And then because of sports, I was in the presence of coaches that uh, were there to mentor me. A lot of these children have not had that type of exposure. Uh, they've been raised by mom and auntie and grandmom uh, because a lot of the males have been absent. As you go into these schools, Clayton, you know, are these young people receptive? Do you find some resistance initially, even a little bit of disrespect because they don't know how to act? Uh, uh, around man I mean talk to us a little bit about what that experience was like
4: well you get everything that you just mentioned I mean these kids do not have and have not had positive role models in their lives unless you know they been involved in sports and they had really good coaches who recognized that he needed to be a big brother or father figure and teach them life skills um, they do not know how to interact with men because it's more foreign to them. Um, they often, you know, um, reject men because they look at it as a physical challenge. Because again, they, to your point, they've been raised by three or four generations of women. But what we do is we understand that we have to meet them where they are, and the first thing that we try to do and say to them: let us earn your trust by what by our deeds and by us basically uh, coming through with the promises that we're going to make to you. And then initially, it's just to show up. It's just to be there when we say we're going to be there, and begin to cultivate relationships with them just by having conversations that are driven by them. Part of the the, the solution to this gun violence, and you hit the nail right on the head, Pastor, is that the young people have to have a voice. They have to have a place at the table. They have to be part of the solution because they're living it every single day and it's impacting their lives in multiple ways and playing out in multiple, multiple facets. And so we need to listen to them as well. And uh, I think that a big part of our mentorship program is really rooted on empowering their voices, listening to them, and then following up on the things that, that they are mostly concerned about. And we've been able to do that and build relationships and then they're more receptive, especially when they when they know that you are a true advocate and you keep showing up time and time again and coming through for them. And then that's when they'll begin to open up and start talking about their hopes and their dreams, their troubles, you know, their tribulations and the things that, you know, are confronting them even the issues that they have as it relates to how they resolve conflict in the street when they're confronted with that, because lots of times they don't think that they have a choice, but to to meet force with force. And we make them believe that
3: true courage is not standing up, but standing down. Yeah. You know what? I want to focus on a phrase you used a few times. It's it's showing up. Uh, And one thing that I share with, Uh, my my members that work with my youth ministry and also those that work with my nonprofit. And I'll talk about that with you in just a second. But one of the things I share with them, which is a a recurring theme is do not get involved if you're going to be inconsistent. Don't come around if, if this is only for a moment, because being in the lives of these young people who have for all of their lives in many cases seen nothing but inconsistency. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, and so I, I try to weed out those folks that are just doing it because they're having a momentary feeling of goodwill uh, uh, and philanthropy. Uh, uh, talk to us a little bit about the importance of consistency with these young people. I'll give you a story that uh, epitomizes
4: you know, what that really means and how much it resonates with me. So we have a college scholarship initiative where we provide college scholarships to students that want to go to colleges and universities and trade schools and the culinary arts school, vocational schools. And, uh, you know, because we recognize that college is not for every kid, but a, being a pro at something is really, really important. And so we had a group of kids who were seniors mostly. And five out of the 15 boys had no idea what they wanted to do. And we encourage all of them to go to college or go to some form of trade or I mean, some kind of trade program, or even into the military service so they can get an opportunity to be on a positive fast track to figuring out what they ultimately want to do with their life. And so there's one kid in particular named Hassan. I really convinced him to go to college and at our college scholarship banquet all the kids had an opportunity to talk about what it meant to get a college scholarship and it took me every ounce of my will to fight back tears and not to break down this kid stood up and he said merely i just want to thank men who care for keeping their word and so when a kid to your point begins to believe especially a young black boy and a, and a black man that said he's going to have his back and come through, as you said, you Correct. cannot be fly-by-night about this, because these kids have been let down time and time and time again. But when you do break through and gain their trust and come through for them, you've got them for life. And now this kid yeah. has graduated from college, he's given back to the community, and He's a father now, and he's doing immensely well. And so these little breakthroughs make you understand how critically it's important for you. Showing up is one thing. Engagement is
3: also as important as showing up. You know what? I was... um I was intrigued when you talked about your Real Talk series. I'm just to share a little bit with you here because I, I do think there's some synergies and we might be able to work together. Uh, several years ago, I started a program called Camp New Joy. Uh, CampNewJoy.com or CampNewJoy.org is our website. Uh, and and really the mindset or the, the, the approach that we were using to influence young men and young women uh, in our inner cities is that we would actually take them out of uh, their zip codes, because one thing you find is that a lot of these young people have not been far out of their zip code. Uh, a lot of them don't go on vacation, don't go down south to see grandmama, or uh because many of the generations are living right there in their house or in the neighborhood. Uh, and so we bought 23 acres down in a place called Rustburg, Virginia, uh, built a 5,500-square-foot 5, uh, house there, because most of the kids that we're trying to impact, they don't sleep in their own room by themselves. They don't eat dinner in a dining room. Uh, they don't sit in the living room as a family and watch television. There at that house, we do all of that. Uh, and then we've got fishing there, hunting, et cetera, et cetera. But every day, uh, and, and by the way, we only bring about 15 to 20 kids down at a time uh, about every week during the summer. And, and one thing I can tell you is that that trip alone, just being on the highway, Driving from the city down to the south and looking at all that scenery is huge for them. But once they get there and see the property and how they can just uh, interact with, with, with nature, uh, they never want to leave. It really does change them. But every day, before we do any other activity, we have a real talk session for 90 minutes where we talk about the issues that they're really dealing with and drill down on those issues. Every night we go out by the campfire to have a real talk session. I mean, talk about how those real talks with people who come from a shared background, look like them in many respects, have the same ties to the community, uh, and can identify with what they're going through. Talk to us about how those real talks really impact these young people.
4: Well, again, it gives them a voice, it empowers them, and more importantly, it allows them to unpack a lot of their emotions, their frustrations, their angers, and the things that influence their decisions that they make on a daily basis. So it really allows them to release, but at the same time, in releasing, they become empowered because now... You know they have a voice and and when that voice is rewarded through advocacy it's it's profound. I mean it's profound. I'll give you two examples. So you know that same group of boys that we had, you know we decided that you know, to your point, some of the basic experiences in life, you know, like you said, you know going out of the zip code. Most of these kids never put on a suit and tie, never went to a a church. And so we got one of the local uh, vendors to provide suits for 15 boys, and we had a suit day at Martin Luther King High School, and all of the members that are involved in the program, we all dressed up and we strutted the halls in suits. After that day, every single boy wanted to wear a suit every single day because they felt important (laughs) they felt clean. And I'll tell you another story about the zip code thing. So when I was doing my initial community service in Camden, New Jersey, I was with a program that was attached to uh, kids that were a part of parents that were addicted to drugs. And one of the things that we wanted to do, some of those kids didn't have having me going over the bridge to Philadelphia. And so we took them to the Academy of Natural Sciences. And on the way back to Camden, there was a roadblock, and somehow we ended up going through Chinatown. And these were boys and girls between the ages of 8 and 13. And the traffic was very, very slow. And if you've ever been to Chinatown, it looks like you're in China because all of the facades and the people, and at that particular time, it was right around the Chinese New Year. And so we were slowly rolling through Chinatown. And these kids, I could not tell them that they were not in China. They believed that they were in China. And so they were <laughs> like, Mr. Justice, we're in China. We're in China. I didn't want to kill their joy, but I knew right. that once we got to Vine Street, they were going to realize that we were not in China. And it was a, a, such a profound transformation on their expressions, on their faces, where they really thought that they had went somewhere, not understanding how long it really actually take to get to China. We have to expose our young people to things and places and experience beyond those four blocks or those zip codes that they live in. They're in silos. And the only way that you're going to free your mind and free your spirit is to get out and renew the world. That's why other folks, Send their kids abroad to school to England to all over That's the world right. because they know that That's experience right. is going to completely enrich their lives and they're going to be changed forever. That's
3: right. That's right. That's right. You're listening to Philly's favorite 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. We're talking uh, today about how we can how we can reduce this surge. of Violence, gun violence in our community, uh, and we're talking with Clayton Justice, who is a part of Men Who Care. Uh, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us uh, this afternoon as we prepare to kind of close out this this first conversation. Because I hope we'll have many uh, that will take action to help our young people. Uh, why don't you share with us one? what schools you're currently in, uh, and if you have plans for expansion uh, of this very critical and important program, Men Who Care.
4: So right now we're focusing on the Northwest. So the schools that we have been primarily in is Emlyn Elementary, Roosevelt Elementary, and Martin Luther King High School, because those two schools are feeder schools to the high school. And we like to track the kids through those two schools so that we can evaluate and perpetuate their progress over time as they go through these feeder schools. Um, there's two other schools that we're going to enroll into um, that process very, very soon, which is Linglebox School, as well as a school that's uh, near Martin Luther King. I believe it's called Penny Packer. And so, again, okay. we're basically trying to create a funnel to have most of the kids that live and reside in the Northwest ultimately end up at Martin Luther King High School. That way we'll be able to track them, especially the kids that are at most risk, and ensure that they see our face or the members of our face as they go from elementary to middle to high school and that we'll be able to provide whatever resources they need to be successful in life.
3: Now, are you recruiting new members? How, how can somebody get involved with the organization? Absolutely. Right now
4: we're having a really big volunteerism push because, again, it's going to take a lot of folk to be able to wrap our arms around not only our kids but to make our community safe again. If you have a passion for community service or education or like to get involved in our programs, you can reach me directly at my number at 215 215- Eight 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 four three five.
3: That's two one five eight 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 four three five. Excellent. Well, listen, Clinton Justice, I want to thank you, uh, and I want to thank men who care for the work that they're doing in the city of Philadelphia. You know, Mother Teresa at one point was uh, in India, uh, or actually, she was in Africa uh, with some missionaries, and they were looking at thousands upon thousands of young people who were starving. Uh, and the question was asked of Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, how are you going to help all of these people? And Mother Teresa looked back at the person, and she pointed at one of the children, and she said, I'm going to start with that child right there. And, And Clayton, if we can just save one child at a time, uh, we're going to make an impact in the city of Philadelphia and thus in our nation. So, man, thank you for the work you're doing. Uh, I look forward to talking to you and your group again and, and, and hopefully being able to work with you in the future uh, as we strive to uplift these young people and give them a seat at the table of success. God bless you, my friend.
4: Thank you so much, Pastor, and it was indeed an honor and a privilege to be on your show. And uh, on behalf of the members of Men Who Care of Germantown, we thank you.
0: While you are listening to fearless, baby. Yeah.